0: Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week we continue our in-depth study into the book of Revelation by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message.
1: If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and be turning to the Revelation chapter 5. The Revelation chapter 5. We're in the Revelation and we looked at Revelation chapter 5 verses 1 through 7 last week. And if you remember, that's where they John sees at the throne and when he sees the one sitting on the throne and 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 all of a sudden they he has a book and a scroll in his hand. And the angel with a loud voice asks, "Who is worthy or who can open up the scroll? Who can break the seven seals of this scroll to reveal What God wants to be revealed. And and throughout all of heaven or earth or the netherworld, there was no one who stepped forth. So what did John do? What did John start doing? Were you all here last week was that somebody different? What did he do? He wept. He wept bitterly because no one was going to be able to open up the seal. No one was going to be able to open up the book. But then one of the elders told him what? Stop Weeping stop weeping because there is one who is coming who is worthy He's the lion of the tribe of judah the root of david And he looks and he sees and what does he behold? He beholds a lamb a lamb as slain standing And that lamb of god who is also of the tribe the lion of the tribe of judah and is also the root of david is who? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come, and he comes, and he takes the book out of the hand of God. He takes the book, and he's going to begin to break those seals in chapter 6 to reveal the revelation and the redemptive plan of God, how to win back, how to redeem this lost world. What a powerful experience is going to be, and, and that book's going to reveal what all happens from chapter 6. To the end of the revelation. You need to be here for that. But here in chapter 5 as it ends up. It's not about what's happening in Revelation. That starts in chapter 6. But is the fact that the weeping has turned to worship. Weeping has turned to worship. In these verses that we're going to read. Verses 8 to the end of the chapter. There are three doxologies of praise. Three worship experiences of the Lamb of God. And the last, the Lamb and the one, the Father who's sitting on the throne. Three times of praising Almighty God. So join with me as we look at this weeping turn to worship. Verse 8. And when, talking about the Lamb, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures, who are those? Those are the cherubim remember that? those are the cherubim the ones who lead forth in worship but not only in worship they're going to be the ones who are carrying out the administrative work of the Lamb of God to bring about the redemptive plan in this revelation. those four cherubim and the 24 elders who are the 24 elders? all the redeemed. Of all the ages, the Old Testament dispensation and the New Testament dispensation, which is us. And it tells us that we're going to be gathered there. Remember that we've had the rapture of the church. The church is there. The church is no more after chapter 3. is no more found the revelation. It's there with Jesus. And so we're a part of those 24 elders. Look what it says. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having each one a harp, you ought to circle that, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying... Worthy art thou to take the book, to break its seals, for thou hast was slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard them say to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever and the four living creatures those cherubim kept saying amen and the elders that's us fell down and worship let's see these three doxologies of praise we ought to learn how to praise better amen If you want to know how to praise Jesus, just go to Revelation chapter 5, begin about verse 8, and you'll get three doxologies of praise, and you need to practice them because some of them you're going to be singing, all right? You need to be able to memorize those words because you're going to be singing those before Almighty God. Whenever the Lamb of God has been revealed and he takes the book out of God's hand, there's an immediate response of the four cherubim and those who are the elders, Remember that the cherubim are responsible for leading out in worship, not only of the elders, but of all creation. They're going to be leading, directing the worship. But the real worshipers of this first doxology are the redeemed because of what the doxology says. And it says that the redeemed are those 24 elders. That's us, all right? That represents us. Now, what are we having in our hands? It says, first of all, when we come there... All of us have in our hands a harp, a harp. We're going to be playing the harp. I can't play anything. Can't even play the radio without static. What about you? I, I can't play anything. I, I can't wait till I get to glory because I'm going to play a harp, and it's going to sound great when I play the harp. And also it says in my hand that I'm going to have a bowl of incense and that the bowl of incense, it tells us what that is. A bowl of incense are the prayers, all the prayers of all the saints of all the time. Now, what does that mean? Before they ever start, before we ever start praising God, we've got those two things in our hand. Well, first of all, when it says that we're holding a harp in our hand, did you know that the harp was the instrument of prophecy? It was the instrument of prophecy. Whenever the harp and music was played, That's when a prophetic word was given to a prophet to speak forth that word. Let me give you some references. We don't have time to turn there, but let me give you some references so that you can turn there and look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 5 through 6. It's when Saul became the king. And remember whenever the prophet told him, he said, listen, Saul, you're going to prophesy with the prophets. And he said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to see those prophets walking down the hill, and they're going to be playing their harps. And when you hear the sound of the harps and them prophesying, then you likewise will begin to prophesy, and you will be changed into another man. He said, what? When you hear the harp, the music, and those prophesying, then you likewise will prophesy. Then in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15, Elisha was approached by Jehoram, the king of Israel, and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And they wanted a word from God. And whenever they wanted this word from God, Elisha says, I don't have a word. But finally, when he says, I'll be willing to give you a word, this is what he says. Call the minstrel. Call the one who is the player of music, the player of the harp. And when they call the minstrel and he began to play the harp, the word of God came and the prophetic word came to Elisha that he spoke. See, there's some connection between music and the music of the harp and the melodies that are carried that bring about a word from God in the heart of a prophet. Whenever that music is played, the prophet hears and begins to speak. Did you know this was eye-opening for me? I told my wife this a couple of weeks ago when I first was studying this. This was eye-opening to me because do you know how I am? This is the way I am. I cry at almost every movie. I will cry, and, and and I can hear music. I can hear music, and just the music makes me cry. I watched a movie, I watched a movie recently, and it, wasn't, it was a fine movie. It wasn't anything wrong, but the music was fabulous. So I got the soundtrack and, and started playing the soundtrack, and I just start crying. And I told my wife, I said, I don't know what the world's wrong with me. I, I, I just cry all the time. But you know, you know what? My gift is the gift of prophecy. My gift is I have the prophetic gift. And here's an interesting thing that I discovered. Is music does something for me. When I study, I listen to music. I, I put headphones or something, I, I listen to music. Because whenever I hear music, it's like I hear the voice of God. And God speaks in the midst of that music. For see, harp, the harp was an instrument of the prophet. And so here we are with the harp that represents prophecy. But also, on the other hand, we have a bowl, a bowl of incense. The bowl of incense, what is that talking about? Well, it goes back to the Old Testament. You remember that there was the incense altar inside the holy place, right in front of the screen of the Holy of Holies. And whenever it's the time for the high priest to go in, the high priest would go in representing the people. Now, while he's walking in representing the people, the people are outside of the holy place. And they're out there, and they're making prayers, and they're making petitions before Almighty God. And the high priest, as their representative, he brings that that, to the altar of incense, that bowl of incense, and he brings it before God, and that incense then is burned, and that aroma goes before that great veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. And that incense represents spiritually what those people on the outside are doing. See, so they're praying on the outside, and the high priest is bringing before God the prayers of the people in the form of incense. Well, whenever we at the end, we're going to be there worshiping Jesus, we're going to have bowls of incense. And we're going to be able to come before Almighty God. We don't have to wonder what this is. Look what it says in that verse. It says those bowls of incense are the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints. And you know what prayers that, that's all about? That's every prayer. You may think you pray and nobody hears. You may think you pray and somebody forgets. Let me tell you something. Every prayer you pray, every prayer you pray prayed by a saint. I'm not talking about some super saint. I'm talking about every redeemed person. Every prayer you pray, has been collected and saved and preserved by Almighty God. It's in a bowl of incense, and that prayer has always been remembered. And that prayer, as we come before the Lamb of God, who's about to redeem the world, we're going to have in our hands all the prayers of all the saints, of all the times, we're going to have that before God, representing the priestly duty and representing the prayers and intercession of that priest. Now, let me show you what that, what that means, all right? Whenever we come before the Lamb of God, we're coming there and we're saying, this, what is about to happen, this Lamb who is worthy of praise, honor, and glory, he is about to fulfill everything that every prophet ever told. He's about to bring to fruition everything that every prophet ever foretold of what's going to happen. That's what's going to take place, represented by the harp. And also, he is coming to fulfill every prayer of every saint that has ever been prayed. And Jesus taught us to pray this. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you prayed that prayer? When you prayed that prayer, my friend, you're praying for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done. You're praying for the ultimate redemption that Jesus is bringing. And what we come with our, with our bowl of incense, and some, all those prayers prayed by all those people of all those times, it's being fulfilled. His will is going to be done and his kingdom is coming. So as the prophet, the priest, and the prayers, we bring our instruments. We bring everything before the Lamb. He is about to fulfill it all. Well, look what happens. We come with those instruments in our hand, and look what it says, verse 9. And they sang. You need to circle that word. They sang, and circle these two words, a new song. They sang a new song. Do you know who it is that sings? The redeemed of God sing. The redeemed of God, they are to be the singers. The redeemed of God, those who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, we're the praisers. We offer up the praise and glory to Almighty God. Now, hold on just a second because I want you to see something. It says we're going to all sing... The redeemed are going to sing, and we're going to sing a new song, a new song. Different words in Greek language for new. One of the words is neos. It means a, a new type. Another of those words is the word kine, which means a new character. The word kine is used here, which points out that there is a new song that is going to be sung different in character. It's a song the world has never heard. That song that the redeemed are going to sing in glory, it is a song that the world has never heard. There are different words for song. In the Greek language, there's the word psalmos, where we get the word psalm from. There's the word hymnas, which get the word hymn from but neither of those two words hold on a second neither of those two words are used this is the word ode which means a general song this is going to be a new general song not a hymn not a psalm not a sacred song it's going to be a general song that's a new song new character no one's ever heard and The redeemed are going to sing it. Now, hold on a second. Hold on. I know how people are. If we're divided over anything, we're divided over music. Well, I tell you, I only want hymns. (laughs) And I only want psalms. Put your hand down, Miss Anne. You're not going to want it up. Just say, I only want psalms. And then then somebody come here, I don't like all those hymns. I only want praise music. All they want worship music. And then this is where we really are. I don't like anything new. I don't like nothing new. Man, I don't want, get, just give me that old stuff that I know. You better change your heart. You better change your mind. Because when you get to glory, you're gonna sing a song you've never heard. And it's not a hymn and it's not a psalm. It's different in character, and it is a general song. And that's what you're going to sing a new song. So get in practice. Amen. Listen to something you don't like. You don't always have to like the same thing, right? Over and over again. We're so stuck in the mud. We are. And it's not it's not the older people stuck in the mud. Younger people are just stuck in the mud too. But God said when he sends you to glory and when you get there and I hope you're going to be there, you're going to sing a new song, and you're going to love it. Because one thing, you're going to, to be sitting back observing. You're going to be participating. Uh-oh, bless God. You mean we're going to have to sing in heaven? Yep, you get there, you're going to be singing. So you better start practicing now. Amen? I see stuck in the mud people sitting around here. I ain't going to sing. I'm not singing for nothing in the world. Singing is not my business. You better learn how. (laughs) You better learn how because you're going to sing. If you're a part of the 24 elders redeemed, you're going to go and you're going to sing a new song. And what is that song? It tells you what the song is all about. There are four aspects of this song. I want you to notice something about this song. The redeemed sing to the Lamb of God. Notice that, okay? Those who are redeemed, we sing to the Lamb of God because we are redeemed and we have a special relationship. But four things about this song. This is what it says. First of all, this redemption means that it is a a praise and worship experience for God. Listen. Worthy art thou to take the book and break its seal. First and foremost, this song is a song of redemption for the glory of God. Of God. Everything is for the glory of God. Secondly, this redemption is about how our redemption is purchased by the blood of the cross. This is what it says. For thou wast slain and is purchased for God with thy blood. A few years ago, I remember there was one denomination. I won't call their name. There's one denomination. They rewrote their hymn book. You know why they rewrote their hymn book? Because they took out every hymn that had any mention of blood. They didn't want to put any mention of blood in their hymn book. Well, they better get ready because when they get to glory, you know what they're going to sing about? The blood of the Lamb. For we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that is how it is purchased. That's how it is won. By his shed blood. And when we're singing in glory, we're going to sing about the one who gave his life, who shed his blood for us. The third thing is that this redemption is for all people. For all people. This is what it says has purchased for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Do you know who Jesus died for? Everybody. Every tongue, every person, every people, every nation, he died for everyone. Some people want to criticize Christianity and say, you Christians, you are so exclusive. Y'all think you're the only ones who are getting to go to heaven. The truth of the matter is Christianity is very exclusive. We believe that the only ones who are going to get to go to heaven are those who are washed in the blood of the, lamb, of the Lamb. But let me tell you about, let me tell you how about Christianity on the other side. It is all inclusive. A- anybody can come. <laughs> Everybody's invited. Whosoever will might come. And Jesus says that people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be redeemed. Redemption is for everybody. Let me show you this, though. Look at the final thing, and that is this. Redemption results in responsibility and actual rulership. Look at what it says. And thou hast made them, talking about the redeemed. To be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Do you know who the re- you know what he's done when he, when he came? He redeemed us. And he says he made us to be kings and priests. He made us to be kings and priests, and we will ultimately rule over this new world. We're gonna be ruling over this new world as kings and as priests. Did you know you're a king? Did you know you're a priest? Well, act like it. Amen? Act like you are kings. Act like you are priests. You're going to be placed in responsibility. That's what I'm saying. Is that that important? It's important if, if Jesus said to sing it. Amen? Our redemption and those who are redeemed, we sing to. The Lamb of God. We sing to the Lamb of God. Look what happens in the second doxology, verse 11. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. Okay, here's the picture. The throne is here, and the Lamb is there before the throne. Then you got the four cherubim, and you got the 24 elders. All right, they're all around the throne. The next thing he hears, a doxology, by the angels, by the angels. And those angels are surrounding that throne of God, and all of those who are around the throne of God, these angels are surrounding. And look look how many there are. It it says that there were, the number of them was myriads of myriads. If you go to to Webster's Dictionary, look up myriad, it'll say, a lot of people. (laughs) That's what it it literally says, A lot. It really means to not be able to count. The King James Version said it this way, 10,000 times 10,000. 10,000 times 10,000 angels plus thousands of thousands of angels. Do you know how many angels God has? I don't know. That's right. Nobody knows. But he's got plenty, amen? He's got so many that you can't count them. They're there. And whenever this praise and worship of God starts happening... And the 24 elders are leading out in this worship. And the cherubim are cheering them on. Joining in in that praise and worship are the angels of God. They're not going going to let just the redeemed worship God. They're going to worship God as well. But something unique about their worship of God. Notice that when they worship God, first of all, they do not sing to the Lamb. They sing about the Lamb. They don't have the same relationship with Jesus that we do. They haven't been redeemed like we have been. So they sing about him instead of to him. Now, I'm about to say something that's generally going to shake some of you up. I know that. You'll probably come up here afterwards wanting to talk to me. Don't come talk to me. It's like I say, I just preach it. I don't explain it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm going I'm to really shake you up when I'm about to say this, but this is the truth, okay? At least as far as I found in the Scripture. When the angels praise God, they do not sing. Matter of fact, there's no place in the Word of God where it says angels sing. Everywhere that angels praise God, it will say they say, not they sing. Now, I know that bothers you <laughs> some of you bother well brother Mac I saw I remember whenever Jesus was born there was this whole bunch of angels up there and I remember at the Christmas play we had <laughs> I remember that. and I know one of those hymns says hark hark the angels and they sing and I know all that brother Mac what do you tell they don't sing go back look right. some of you are looking right now I can tell you in Luke two thirteen, in case you need to get there, all right. In Luke two thirteen, that's the verse you're looking for. It's going to say, whenever they're going to praise God, the angels say, not sing. Now, why? I don't know. I did read, read a very interesting, uh, interesting article about that, and I think it has probably some validity. Now, I'm not a musician person at all, okay? But let me me tell you what this person said. They said in order for you to sing, in order for you to have melody and have music, you have to have both minor keys and major keys, minor chords and major chords. And whenever all those get put together, it forms music and melody. You don't just have all minor and you don't just have all major. You have to have a combination between the two. And the reason that angels don't sing is because they don't know the two different chords. Now, here's something interesting, and this is something for you to study and look at. Did you know that creation itself, the sounds of creation, the vast majority of creation is all sounded in a minor key? You ever thought about that? The sound of the wind blowing and storm winds blowing will always be in a minor key. Thought about that? The sound of the ocean in its roar is in a minor key. Even some of the most beautiful birds, the nightingale has some of the most beautiful sound. It sings in a minor key. The minor key represents lostness, hurt, pain, And despair. It is though creation itself is in its song and sound, is living out what Paul said in Romans 8, where it says, Creation groans for the revealing of the Son of God or for the redemption of Jesus, for most of its sound is in the minor key. Whereas the major key points to victory, it points to good and wonderful and blessing. Well the redeemed of us we know how to sing because we know what it's like to be lost and in despair and have hurt and pain and we also know what it is to have victory and praise and adoration and glory. And we know what it's like to put the minor keys and the major keys together and to make a melody before Almighty God. But angels don't know that because they've never fallen and they've never been redeemed. They've never known the despair of lostness like we have. And they've never known what it's like to be won over and be bought and purchased and redeemed. And and therefore, they don't know the makeup of the melody to sing. But they do know the lamb. (laughs) They do know the lamb because look what it says. Here's the song. Worthy is the lamb. Notice speaking to him, about him, not not to him. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Why don't you love that? I'm telling you, the angels can teach us a little bit about how to praise God. You know what? I, you know, one of the things I love about that is that it's poor English. Poor English. We know that when you have a combination of those words together, you shouldn't put an in between all those words. You should do what? Put a comma. Not the angels. Not the angels. The angels, why? They're saying and between each one because every one of them is important. Every one of them stand on its own. And every one of those are emphasis of who this lamb is and what he deserves. And it's almost like whenever I hear them, it's almost like they just keep going. They could keep going and repeating and repeating and repeating. And it's because you can't describe him adequately. You know, one of the interesting things, there are, I think there are 14 doxologies in the Revelation. The first one is in chapter 1. And if you'll read the doxologies, the very first one only had two things that said about the Lamb of God. But by the time you get to the end of the doxology, they keep growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. The praise of God. It's kind of like whenever we progress, we know more about how to praise Him than when we started. Amen? Look what it says. Blessing and honor and glory belong to the Lamb. But that's not all. There's a third doxology. Listen to this doxology. Who's in it? Listen. There's 13. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them. That pretty well encompasses creation. Wouldn't you say? I mean, whatever's in heaven whatever's on earth, whatever's under the earth, whatever's on the sea, whatever's in all of these things, all of that joins in the praise of the Lamb. I heard them say, now, this is where, my friend, you remember when Paul said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord? You know that? It's the picture of that. It's a picture. When all of creation, every part, not just talking about human beings. Every part of creation, everything God's ever done, even the rocks. Did you hear that? Even the rocks. Why would I say the rocks? Why would I say this lifeless rock would cry out and praise God? Why would I say that? Because Jesus said it. He said if. If the people don't do it, the rocks will cry out. Well, every created thing is going to cry out, going to join in worship. You get a picture? Here are the cherubim leading the redeemed, and then the angels join in. Then all of God's creation joins in. And listen to what they say. Verse 13. To him who sits on the throne, this is a praise and adoration of God the Father and the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's the first time that you see them tied together. It's the first time you see the joint Godhead. You know what's important about that? Because here they're going to be worshiped together. And the rest of this book is them working together to bring about the redemption. And the final thing you're going to see is whenever they are together in glory. And you don't need a sun or a moon because they and their Shekinah glory provide all that's needed. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory. And here's the, here's the unique one, all right? Those have been included before. Here's the unique. And dominion forever and ever. Dominion, rule, control forever and ever is to the Lamb. That's the creation crying that out. You know why it's important for creation to cry that out? Because... From the time that Adam and Eve fell, they lost the right one being over them. Man was supposed to have dominion. God was supposed to have dominion. And whenever man failed and sin entered into the world and Satan took over as the God of this world, he took over dominion. And since that time, as it says in Romans 8, all of creation has grown for God's redemption. All of creation is grown for God to restore back to what it was supposed to be. All of creation grows. So here, whenever the Lamb has come and the redemption is drawing nigh, they say this dominion will be His forever and ever. We will no longer be under the rulership of the enemy. Creation crying forth. Then, look at verse 14. I love this. And the four living creatures, those cherubim, kept saying, Amen. Amen. I hope God lets me preach when we go to heaven. I want me an amen corner of cherubim. Amen. I want somebody who learns how to say amen and knows how to say amen. I, they, this cherubim is saying, Amen. 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 They just keep agreeing with what are they green with? They're agreeing with everything that's been said about the Lamb and about God the Father. And basically that word amen there means so be, so be it. So be it. So be it. Whatever is said about the Lamb, so be it. And look at the final thing. Here's you and me. And the elders fell down and worshiped. I told you before we got to practice that. we got to practice that. Ms. Ann came up and told me if, if I saw her down, it wasn't because she was praising God. She failed to help her back up. And I told her, I said, I understand. But I said, well, isn't it going to be great one day whenever you can fall down and get back up? Amen? But for those of us who can fall down and who can worship Almighty God, it wouldn't hurt if we practiced. Matter of fact, I want to give you this little task this week, Okay? I want sometime this week in your prayer time, if you are able, I want you to either get on your knees or on your face before God. I'm serious. To get on your knees or on your face before God. You may find it does something for you. You may may find that that God speaks to you and and ministers to you in a certain way. And if nothing else, you're getting in practice of where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing. Amen? What a wonderful, wonderful part of the book of Revelation to praise the Lamb. And this this sets us up for what he's about to do he, he's given us an opportunity to see him to glory in him to worship in him for he's about to open up the seals and he's about to make known what it's going to cost to redeem this world and what it's going to be like whenever he pulls the church out in those years of the great tribulation before he comes again he's going to show us it's going to be harsh tough not easy but He is the Redeemer, amen? He's the Lamb. And just like it said, for all people, whosoever will may come. If you don't know Jesus today, you can come. Give your heart to Christ today. He died on the cross for you. He paid the price for your sin. He wants you to be redeemed. He wants you to be in glory. He does not want you to face the tribulation. You can give your heart to Jesus today. Maybe you've accepted Christ. We had 14 accept Christ this week in Vacation Bible School. Isn't that wonderful? It's great. Maybe you accepted Christ. You need to come for Believer's Baptism. We invite you to come. Whatever, God. Maybe you want to join our fellowship. We welcome you to come. Maybe you have a special need or prayer. You want to come to altar and pray. You have the chance to do that.
0: That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series Jesus said I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble I have overcome the world we can help you know the one who can bring you peace find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.